Um, so we're here at Pinewood Studios in Theatre 6 and we've just finished, we just wrapped up the mix on Shadow of the Tomb Raider which is the final part of the reboot trilogy which was started in 2013 and I'm here with Adam Scrivener who's re-recording mixer on the project for the last two weeks and uh, we're just going to chat a little bit about some of the kind of things we've been up to and some of the thoughts about what we've been doing really on the mix so yeah I guess we can get into it let's go so my first sort of thoughts I mean when we bring a game somewhere like this it's always great to have uh, fresh ears uh, you know myself and my team have been working on this project for like three years Long time. so yeah and when we come to somewhere like this it's great because we're in a fresh environment we get to hear reference mix levels uh, reference levels playback levels which is really important and to be able to make decisions about all the final, you know, right. sounds in the game, and music and levels and all that sort of stuff, dialogue. So there's so many things to sort of think about and do. And then having someone like yourself, fresh ears on the project, uh, to come in and sort of help us or guide us through that last quality gate, you know, is really well, It's been important. a very exciting process. And obviously you bring it in with all the sounds all ready to go. So actually, for me, I'm at the most exciting point to get involved, which is the final polish of and the balance of all that stuff and, and that's kind of what we're here for that's what these rooms are here for um it's a very uh, enjoyable process yeah and i guess one of the things that's really different and fresh at least for me i've never worked on a dolby atmos mix game um, well me neither <laughs> there you go yeah something new for both of us but you've done it atmos movies of course yeah we've been using atmos since sort of 2013 in the theatrical world but this is uh first for a computer game for me um, what do you, what do you, what's your impressions of like the difference between movies and games in terms of the the use like of the Atmos in in the two? Yeah, I mean, the, there's actually a lot more scope for it in the games. It seems, you know, the um, certainly the overhead channels have been really useful in this one. We've done a lot of stuff where, uh, you know, as the camera tracks around, it goes through the overheads, and the constant sort of panning of the camera following your character around kind of allows that movement a lot more than it does in a film, which is usually shot in a certain way that, you know, depending on the director but the, and the DOP or whoever, but it, the way the game plays, mm. there's a lot more positional information needed than there is in a, in a traditional sort of feature film where things are a bit more screen-based and, you know, dialogue-focused and stuff, whereas this is a bit more, okay. yeah, bit, yeah. Bit more 3D in a way. Yeah, and I think one of the things for me as well is it's been because of the verticality of the game itself, uh, Tomb Raider, you know, it's like yeah. there's, there's so much like scaling traversal and, and yeah, 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 like so much information, sound information that's above you. Yeah, and we uh, go through rainforests and stuff, and all the there's like birds overhead and all that kind of stuff is is really effective. Yeah, and there's also a lot of just almost height only information in the in some of the areas of the gameplay as well. Um, some of the traversal moments, um, you know, there's, there's literally only, because there's nothing below you, you fall to your death, and the only thing you're hanging on to is above you. Yeah. So to hear that played out. Yeah, in, there's a, there's a great room. scene where you're swinging from sort of underneath the, underneath the ledge, and that's like, you know, all of that information's coming from above you. Yeah. And that's, that's a really exciting moment. I thought that was really yeah. effective. When we saw that for the first time with the height information in, I thought that yeah, was a real kind yeah. of like, oh wow, this is this is what Atmos brings to this game. Yeah, totally. Um, and another thing, uh, yeah, another thing is again just hearing it in a calibrated room like this. Um, we have an Atmos room in Montreal. It's calibrated. It's a very small room, 
um, and we we get the height information there but just to, we don't get to play it as loud as as we'd like to basically. yeah we can't open it up like we do here yeah i mean this this room's kitted out to go to full sort of theatrical levels and stuff so uh, the headroom we have in the speakers is great, makes for good clarity and stuff. And um, and Dolby themselves obviously are, take responsibility for some of the lineup in here, and um, it means that we are we know we get good translation. That's the key thing, isn't it? That you know, the if you mix in a room that isn't calibrated properly, you just don't know what you'll get when you take it out to the real world. Yeah. And indeed, the stereo fold down, which we tried on the on the TV, yeah. like all that works because because you're mixing in the right environment to start with, and yeah, the uh, the stereo, yeah, the fold down onto the TV is the it's the best I've ever heard it. It makes yeah. you, I think, mixing in Atmos makes you think a bit more about the positional information and stuff. And obviously, a lot of that in in the game world is kind of I don't want to say it's automatic, but it's kind of built into the engine anyway. So the switch from 5.1 to Atmos is actually less of a a big deal. But I certainly, from mixing in the theatrical side of things, is kind of you think a bit more about that stuff. And even when it's folded down to stereo, you know, watching on a TV or listening on headphones, the work that's gone into all that sort of carries through to, to some extent. You know, you, it don't, does, yeah. you obviously don't get the overhead or anything, but yeah. the thought behind it is kind of a little bit, yeah. a little bit elevated. Yeah, weirdly on the stereo, you still have control of obviously of the camera, so you still hear, you feel that pattern. Yeah, you, yeah, you see, it's um, the feeling, but yeah, 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 it's still there. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so whenever I mix something myself, in a smaller room, smaller environment. One of the things I notice is I'm, I'm, yeah, more timid in terms of loud moments and big bombastic moments. And right. obviously, that's something in here that's been really successful, where it feels like we've really been able to open up in those yeah. moments. Yeah, I mean, I mix in small rooms and big rooms as well, and and it's always the case that you know, in the small rooms, even if you have been working on sort of large feature productions in large rooms, you go to the small room and you just you can't make yourself be as bold with things. You just, sh you know, the, the speakers are right in front of you and you shy away from things a little bit, I think. Um, but, the, but the good thing is that the translation's always good. You know, you mix in a big room, the translation down to, uh, you know, a home theatre environment or, a, or headphones even is, is absolutely fine. It doesn't work the other way. You can't mix on headphones and then play it in a, somebody's, you know, El Dolby Atmos home theatre. You need to start in the bigger room and, and you know, with the full scale sound. And, and it scales down really well. Um, but I think we've been really successful with the dynamic of this. When we've done playthroughs of the bits we've gone, you know, the next day we come in and we play something back, it, it feels really good, it feels dynamic, it feels exciting. And, you know, you kind of come out of a cave where it's like really quiet and you've just got like water dripping, whatever, and it's just in, in a very filmic way, it's very, you know, very, it's not, it's not lacking density of sound or anything, but it's, it's, it's quiet and you just sit there and you enjoy the quiet. And then we burst out into an action sequence. It's full-on gunshots, machine guns going off, and everything. And it's, and it's that that dynamic is exciting. I think. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, the the game begins at almost at the loudest point, doesn't it? it it's does, just yeah. full-on, um, and then from there we come really to a very quiet moment. And then we're actually able. Something we kind of worked on for those scenes is to be able to pan all the sounds just down to a single channel. Yes. Like yeah. uh, Laura's stuck in a cave and trying to get out of that crevice. So we panned all the sounds down to a single channel. Even the reverbs lives in that channel as well. And then at the top of the cave, we're able to open yeah. everything up, even including the height speakers, um, just to sort of get that sense of scale as well in terms of the physical space yeah. that you're in. I mean, the, well, the spaces in the game are incredible, aren't they? It's, mm. you know, graphically, I mean, the, the, 
the and in terms of the story, the scale of uh, going between I don't know just outdoor wilderness through villages, through caves, through you know uh, massive vistas and stuff. I think you know we're able to follow that with the audio, aren't we? That's mm. that's the key thing. You couldn't do it if the game was just all in <laughs> indoors. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. One location. You know, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of shape in the script of the game as well, isn't there? So. You know, we're not we're not doing it. We're not just you know it's true, being yeah. loud and quiet for yeah. the sake of it, are we? We, we didn't just, invent that. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. We can't take credit for that. Yeah, damn. <laughs> just like in terms of uh, you know the work you do in films and so on, like what what do you feel are the main sort of differences between working like from a just from a implementation point of view and a workflow point of view, right, you, rather than the the end result, but like how we get there. Yeah, because I think I think from a overall perspective, we're from movies to games, we're, we're interested in the same things. You know? Yeah. It's like the emotion, um, the action, and supporting all those things. Yes. Uh, clear dialogue, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But I just wonder what your thoughts were about the difference about in the, the way we work. The, and, the way we work. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, it's interesting, isn't it? There's some things in the game which are pretty much, I'm not going to say they're automatic because that kind of belittles all the energies and efforts that have gone into getting the game engine working and all that stuff, but there's certain things like the, the panning of atmospheres and stuff and, and things within the gameplay are automatically positioned or semi-automatic you, know, you still got yeah. to apply reverb and space to things and and you know give it that perspective but once that's set wherever you move the camera around all that stuff kind of happens mm. so things like that can take a little bit of time in a you know sort of more linear uh, project where you've just got the basic sort of more old-fashioned control of things, you know, some, sometimes you get into a situation where doing that stuff stops you for a little bit. Um, you know, there's 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 definite benefits to the game engine in terms of or benefits to using the game engine in terms of what that brings, particularly in Atmos. I think those those things just you know I guess your guys have just put, positioned a sound somewhere and then we come in and go, you know we need more reverb on it when we get further away yeah, to yeah. give it perspective and all that stuff just works really seamlessly but in i mean i guess in terms of workflow it's not dissimilar in terms of the starting point you know in terms of gathering your sounds and you know design the sound design aspect of it i guess is very similar mm. um yeah, it just yeah. becomes a bit different when it goes into the game engine and the the what well, obviously the key difference is that it's not the same every time in the game so we're not able to just go sort of rewind and go well actually this would be better if we just feathered the music out here because that won't the timing of that won't be the same every time and there's things that are you know things you you guys know how to do to make that work but some things are a bit trickier in a game and because of the variability and how somebody's going to walk through yeah. something i think i think we definitely rely a little bit more on sort of automatic mixing features like side chains yeah to create those uh spaces in the mix for us Based, yeah, based on when something happens, because it doesn't always happen at the same time. Like yeah. dialogue, for example, when you're turning a loud crank, yeah, uh, we want that to go You've out the way. You've got to carve a hole somehow in a way that we do on faders or whatever. In you know, in a, in a normal mix, we yeah. do that quite easily. Those things are more difficult in a game, aren't they? Because of the unpredictable. Uh, I guess the other thing that's unpredictable, well, not unpredictable, but that I found interesting is that you know, you guys play a sound, and I'm thinking, well, actually, that line of dialogue just needs to come up. But it could be that we're further away from it and that we need to adjust how loud it is at that distance. So there's a lot more variables to tweak rather than just sort of the play basic. The line. Yeah, play the line, yeah. see how loud you want it, see what EQ you want it, see what verb you want it on, whatever. It's, it's, it's a lot more 
intricate than that. You kind of need to know, you need to try it in multiple states to check that you've got the perspective right mm. at, at all distances. Um, and obviously that doesn't happen in the film. You just, you just play it for what you see or, or, or not, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, whether you're playing it for perspective or not, but you, you just have to do it once and it's done. And there's no, there's no going back over things to, to try them in different ways. It, it, and, well, unless, you, unless you're auditioning something before the thing's finished, but once you've made a decision and you've done it, it's not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <so> it, <laughs> it sounds stupid to say that, but no, we've, it's true. we've just spent yeah. so long working on a project with, with, where things do change all the time and you're always, you're always checking. Yeah, che I think, checking I think one checking. of the challenges I think we found was, uh, with the, was the pace of, of the mix as well. Yeah. So we could quite happily spend a day in a very small part of the game but it's just by replaying it and hearing different things all the time. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, there's obviously an entire sort of game's worth of stuff to mix. And then, but then in some situations, like I said, it's, sometimes it's very quick and easy and you just need to change a few things and you can move yeah. on, sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's, for me, that's been, a, it was, in the first week we worked on this together, it was quite strange for me mm. at seeing what things were easy and what things were difficult. So one of the, I think one of the big differences in the way that maybe you'd mix a movie is you you know you you have faders and you have a lot of automation yeah. that you'd write in a linear fashion. Yeah. Whereas on the game side of things, we have what we call them states um, or mixer snapshots, which are basically just like snapshots of all the faders at a particular moment in time, and then rather than being able to write, write the information between them will sort of transition between those snapshots over yeah. time. So to give an example, you know, if we're in the marketplace in Mexico, we have a particular snapshot for the perspective when we're above looking yeah. down. And as we walk down into the, into the actual action of the scene, we'll have another snapshot. So we can play with the levels of big groups of sound, like crowds, you know, ambiences, yeah. things like that. Yeah, um, well, obviously that doesn't exist in, uh, in film or television mixing because everything's linear and we that progression is done on on the physical faders isn't it we don't have to yeah. because it's the same every time we don't have to worry about that but that's certainly a thing that was very different for me getting to grips with the idea that you can't move a fader in the middle of a scene you know you yeah. can't you can't just go oh actually it'd be nice if at this moment the music rides up because it, you know if it's in the middle if it's not on one of your transitions we can't we can't do that, so sort of finding other ways to manipulate things. And um, I guess we do it with side chaining and stuff, don't we, on some things? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes different tools for different. It, you have to approach it differently, don't you? Because yeah. you you don't have that linear timeline yeah. um, running throughout where you can just go, oh, let's feather the music back and push that line of dialogue up there. We have to. Yeah. We and, have to. And what we ended up doing in some of our, um, you know, cinematic scenes, the sort of uh, pre-rendered scenes, was having several mix of snapshots maybe up to like five or six so we could sort of almost yeah do, it's do almost like automating yeah, yeah almost like getting your hands on the faders a and very low resolution things. fader right it happens yeah it's not high res but it it does achieve for the most part it achieves a similar thing but you've got to have those break points in so you've got to almost know what you want to do before yeah. you do it like a long you know because that's at the code that's done in the code right that's not something yeah that, well i mean we spent a lot of time back in montreal basically just building out the shape of all the mixer snapshots yeah. um for all the levels in the game uh, all the different you know scenes and scenarios and things like that but then 
so that's just the linear story side of things and then there's also you know uh, snapshots where underwater is actually a, a state as well so we'll filter certain groups of sound when you go underwater and then we'll unfilter them that's really successful well. actually that underwater thing that's yeah, really yeah, cool yeah. like and that's and of course that's something that's great in the game engine um is is the fact that you can just apply that we mm. go underwater and we start that you can tweak it obviously but the starting point is we're underwater let's treat everything as if we're underwater yeah, yeah. um and so you don't have to kind of just you know wrangle everything manually every time yeah propagates through the whole game at that point once you've decided and mixed it Yes. Then you, anywhere you go underwater, it's, it's good. You're underwater. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually yeah. underwater. Yeah. And then that was another interesting thing that I think you brought in was uh, about, you know, music panning and things like this. It was like something we'd never even thought about. I was always yeah. was adamant that it was music on left, right, and that's where it sort of lived. But it was interesting because yeah, you I mean, wanted to lift it off the screen a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think we do a lot of that, a lot more of that in... You know, in the, in the feature world, that's all, even 5.1 television or Dolby Atmos these days. It's all, it's all like that. But I think, I guess, the difficulty in the game is wrangling that without being able to automate faders per se. You know, as you say, it's snapshot based. But um, you know, we'd obviously have a lot more control over that on a linear timeline. Um, but it's still very successful, isn't it? Like when yeah, we when we yeah, do yeah. it and the game, it, it it does. Yeah, it made it a huge difference. Pull huge. things out wide, yeah. and you know, also creates a bit of space on the screen sometimes, doesn't it? We've used it a couple of times when things have got busy in terms yeah. of the the action sequences and stuff. Um, in the sort of linear mixing world, you're always going to be up, you know, m mixing your music into a multi-channel format, whether it's 5.1 or Atmos or whatever, and you're going to use a, a variety of tools to do that. Um, so we're quite used to hearing music in a sort of more 3D field than than a straight stereo. Yeah, because I think um, you, your first impression was that like it was it was very it felt very, very flat. flat. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing was was uh, well not the whole thing. Obviously, the game yeah. is rendering all the effects and stuff in 3D, but then to just have a 2D yeah. music field yeah. just felt a bit underwhelming and a bit uninvolving in some in some scenes. So it was nice to very quickly lift it off. and yeah. move forward with that. Yeah, and that stuff's obviously easier to wrangle. On a linear timeline like like I'm used to, but it's still very successful in the game engine, isn't it? You can still queue by queue, kind of go. Yeah, this, this plays better sort yeah. of here, and you know, yeah. tow the other one, next queue forward a bit, or whatever it is that we're going to do, still yeah. achieves the same, pretty much the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Another one of the things we really felt was successful on this mix was just treating the treating the music almost like a sound effect in a in a way to try and make it feel like when you were underwater, the music was sort of filtered as well. Yeah, the underwater stuff. Transitioning up and down and then opening that filter back up. Absolutely, I love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got your water splash going in and out of the water and that in conjunction with all the sounds and the music kind of yeah. filtering down to give you that underwater feeling. I think that's really, that's, yeah. that's really successful. And actually another, yeah, the sort of underwater music didn't really feel like it was underwater. It's just a very strange thing to say about non-diegetic music. Is that yeah. It doesn't feel like it the music is underwater, which of course it isn't. But no, of course it's not. <laughs> we, we were trying to research what an orchestra would actually sound like if it yeah. was underwater. I think we didn't find anything, but I think no. we know now. We know. It yeah. must sound like what it does yeah. in the game, right? Exactly. It does. Must be right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just thinking again about the differences between a movie mix and a, in terms of time and a game mix. Yeah. Um, we spent yeah, two weeks here, but obviously we could have spent. A lot how long more. have you been on it? 
three years. Three years, yeah, yeah. right. And so from, from day one, it's really, we, we mix as we go. Yeah. So the thing, you know, it's the thing that we arrived with was almost the, our, our best mix. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, effectively, it's been in post-production, yeah. in the film sense, it's been in post-production for three years, yeah. which is, well, I'm not going to say it's completely unheard of for a feature to end <laughs> up in that situation, but would be very unusual. Yeah, yeah. So, but I guess the, the amount of content in the game is just on a whole other level to what you have in a film. You know, you've got to have sounds for everything. Everywhere the player can explore yeah. has to work and it has to have its own unique yeah. sound to it. And of course, like even like on the dialogue side of things, you can't just have a script that's a linear script and record that. It's like, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how many lines you have in the game. But I don't, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> it's just an astronomical number. Yeah. But somebody compared knows. To, somebody, I'm sure, does. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Um, but it's just just the scale of the thing is is radically different. R radically different in yeah, terms I mean, of the in amount of content. In terms of music, I know we have a, approximately four hours of score that was delivered. Yeah. But then even in that, we we break it out into stems and. Expand. Right. It's, it's much more expensive and, than that. I mean, I don't know how long the game will take a typical player to go from start to finish. Obviously, you're an expert at it and have all the cheat codes, so that helps. Uh, but, that, that helps, yeah. Um, but that, mu you know, four hours of music, a lot of it's going to be loops and stuff yeah. and kind of it'll just play as long as you need it to, won't it? And just having that many elements, I think, that many assets, if you, if you like, mm. in, in, the, in the game, ready to go and play in whenever they're needed, must uh, I guess that's why it takes three years. I guess you know. You've yeah. Been on it yeah. Long. Exactly. I think the the final mix is is kind of slower because of that, isn't it? The the, the process we'd go through on a on a feature might be, I mean, you know, it's a bit how long is a piece of string, but it could be two weeks to two three months or whatever. But it feels like the the process is slower per. You know, if you were to sort of play through a scene on the game, it might take five minutes or whatever but but that's actually not five minutes of material to mix that's like I don't know half an hour of uh, the equivalent of, sort of half an hour to 45 minutes of a film because you've yeah. got so many different ways you can play it for us it's a whole lot more work yeah I mean there's a like a combat situation combat situation in the game we, you could approach that as a stealth way and, yeah. and the music won't open up in the same way as it does if suddenly if you just want to go in guns blazing yeah. so you've you've really got to look at all those different situations that you could that a player could approach that um both from the music dialogue sound effects and of course mix uh you know perspectives right yeah so it's a uh, it is there's a lot of it's, stuff it's in there. a much broad much broader just a bigger thing than a, than a feature in the, in terms of the the number of sounds, the way it can be played, and all that yeah. stuff is is a, is a whole other level. Yeah, and um, yeah, it just feels like spending just spending two weeks at the very end of the project um, as a final quality to gate to go through. Just seems just feels really valuable to me, um, you know, on a big project like this, just to be able to go through it all and finally sort of listen to it, hear it in its and final finish yeah, state, and, and, to have, and to have fresh ears again, like to to sort of bounce ideas off and oh, well, get, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's been a very um, a very exciting thing to be involved with and yeah. I've really enjoyed seeing that seeing that seeing the game evolve as well in the, just in the two weeks that I've been here with you on it. It's yeah. it's kind of come along, you know, there's been things that we've fixed, things we've improved yeah. and seeing that evolution's 
I mean, that's always exciting, isn't it? When, when you do anything with, with a sound mix or whatever, it starts off in one place and hopefully you elevate it to a thing where it's better. And yeah, seeing that evolution yeah. is, is always fun. Yeah, no, it's been really successful, yeah.